Now, if you would please stand for the reading of the word. It is good to see all of you here today. We've got so many out, but we got so many in visiting. We're glad that you are here. We are glad that you are here. Mark 11, verse 22, and we'll go through 24. Then we're also going to look at Matthew 16, 24. Mark 11, though, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Those are epic words, huge words. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And from these verses today, I'd like to preach a message entitled, The Mountains Waiting on You. The mountains waiting on you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your presence we felt in this house today. Lord, the energy, the inspiration that comes from your people lifting up your name and from your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray, Lord, that before this day is over, you would speak to us a word, God, that goes beyond just our intellect and it drops into our spirit and it speaks what we need for this moment, for this hour. I pray that you would anoint me to speak, anoint us to hear, and I pray that you would be glorified, and we give you praise for all of this in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Everybody say the mountain's waiting on you. A little over 11 years ago, my family and I were in town scoping out this cool bedroom community known as Prairieville out here in Ascension Parish, we were thinking about starting a church here. We're still thinking about starting a church here, can you? All these years later. Now, this wasn't long after Hurricane Katrina, and so hotel rooms were at a premium. It was hard to find a room, and we finally found a room. I think it was the last room available in all of Baton Rouge. It was at the Microtel Inn and Suites over by Celebration Station, 10 and Airline, uh, 12 and airline there, and, and, and we, we got in that microtel. Now listen, this is me and Valerie, Caleb, Lizzie, Alexander, and this room had been ransacked. It, it was pretty much vandalized. Uh, furniture was all jacked up. Uh, the bathroom door wouldn't even shut, not even a little ways. Uh, and, and there's all of us, all five of us, the AC didn't work. And there's all five of us in this one room with a king-size bed, check this out, and a great big old hot jacuzzi tub in the middle of the bedroom. It was miserable. And I was having a hard time sleeping. I'm just telling you, there's too many of us in that room, and we're all looking at that tub like, what in the world? And it was just, you know, it was just miserable. And 
and uh, hot, and, and about 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, my phone rings. Now, normally I wouldn't answer my phone. Why would I do that, you know, 1, 2 in the morning? But I looked at the phone. I wasn't sleeping anyway, and it was my friend, evangelist David Smith. And he was, he, was, he was calling me at, you know, 2 in the morning. I'm like, why in the world is he calling me? So I pick up the phone. I said, hey, man, like, what up? Why are you calling? Well, he's on West Coast time, right? So it's not as late for him. He's on West Coast time. He's in Hollywood, California, and he's so excited. He said, man, I just wanted to call you. You, you wouldn't believe what's going on. I am in the middle of Hollywood, California. And he said, I've been praying for people. He said, we just had 27 people get the Holy Ghost, and it's movie stars and rock stars and uh, other kind of movie stars. Uh, and he, he, said, he said, it is amazing what God is doing out here. And he starts dropping some names on me. And, and I recognize some of them, and thank God I didn't recognize some of the other ones. And he said, but it is amazing what God is doing. I mean, they're speaking in tongues and crying and we're baptizing them in Jesus' name. He said, it's, it's just incredible. And he named, I'm not going to give you names, but he named some names and it was just like, wow, wow, that's amazing. And in that conversation, he said, he said, have you ever heard of the guy that he won a Grammy Award? His name is Johnny Lang. I said, well, yeah, I've heard of Johnny Lang. He said, man, Johnny's out here. And he said, Johnny's got the Holy Ghost, and his wife's got the Holy Ghost, and his mother-in-law's got the Holy Ghost. And, and, and he was helping me out tonight. He was, uh, uh, like, gave, you know, brought me some water as I was preaching. He said, it's just amazing what's going on out here. He told me that story, and, and uh, uh, about three or four years later, Valerie and I got the opportunity to meet Johnny and, and his wife, Haley, and her twins, and, and her mom, and and, and we, I asked him about that very story. We talked about that very night. And, and we got to meet him in New Orleans and hang out for a little bit. And he just released an album. And, and, and listen, this is kind of where I get the title to my message. The chorus of this song says, You can wait your whole life for the mountain to move, but the mountain's waiting on you. Man, when I read that, that just inspired me. The mountain is waiting on you. Everybody say, the mountain's waiting on you. Now, in our reading, Jesus seems to be communicating this thought that you can have what you say, what you pray, provided that you don't doubt in your heart. These verses have been abused uh, for generations. People naming and claiming you know, spouses that were married to somebody else at the time. Cadillacs and Mercedes and Bentleys, mansions. But there's some deeper meaning in these words. Jesus doesn't mince words. And He never speaks in a shallow way. There's some depth in these words. And so I want to dive into this a little bit. Our reading records one of the last days of Jesus' life on earth. It's Tuesday of Passion Week. Now, on the Saturday before, he had come to Bethany about two miles east of Jerusalem, uh, stayed with his good friends Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead just a few weeks before. And uh, on that Sunday, people from Jerusalem and people who were in Jerusalem for Passover week they had come to Bethany 
to see Jesus and Lazarus, you know, this guy who was back from the dead. And on Monday, Jesus went to Jerusalem. He rode in on a donkey to the praise and adulation of the people. And then he went into the temple and observed the tragedy of this flashy religious system that bore no spiritual fruit. The temple had become just a sham full of hypocrites. And so he then retreated back to Bethany. The next morning, Tuesday morning, he began the walk back to Jerusalem. And his disciples were with them. And Jesus was hungry. He was hungry and there was no Starbucks. So he could go get a, a, a Gouda sandwich, uh, whatever. Uh, or a McDonald's where he could go get an Egg McMuffin. There was no Burger King where he could go get a, a croissant, Adam. There, 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 was no, uh, there, there was no restaurant open and he was hungry. It's Tuesday morning, he's headed back into Jerusalem. He's, he's hungry and so he sees a fig tree and he wanted some fig preserves, you know. And so he walks over to the fig tree. It's full of leaves. It should have had figs at the time because the, the, the fruit would sprout before the leaves. And so he expected it to have figs. So he goes over to the fig tree, and he's hoping it will give him some strength for his journey. But he's disappointed because it's all show and it's no substance. Now, it should have had figs. They would have been early in the season but ripe enough to eat. They would fully mature into the summer. So Jesus, when, when he's disappointed, he curses the fig tree and he says, No man eat from you ever again. And his disciples heard him say this. Now, in the Bible, Israel is compared to a fig tree. That fig tree that Jesus is facing this day represented the current state of Israel's religious System, all show and no substance. It had no fruit. Israel's religious system, the religious folk of his day, were committed to the flash, committed to how things looked. But if you just kind of peered back a little bit and looked inside, they were hollow. There was nothing there. It was, again, all show and no substance. They were not committed. I'll tell you what they were not committed to, to the will of God. They were not committed to the Word of God. They were not committed to the God of the Word. On the other hand, Jesus, okay, especially this week in our story, fully Committed to the will of God. Completely sold out. Folks, he was about to die on an old rugged cross. And this week of all weeks, he is sold out. Satan had tried to stop him many times before from fulfilling his mission. In Matthew 16, you know, Jesus had the great confession. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, you're blessed, Simon. And then he said... He said, folks, disciples, listen, I've got to go into Jerusalem and suffer and die. And Peter said, that's not so. You don't have to do that, Master. And Jesus literally turned his back on Simon Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. 
You're mindful of the things of the flesh and not of the things of God. That's the way the temple system had become. Mindful of the things of the flesh and not of the things of God. Jesus was sold out to the point of sacrifice. To the point of self-denial. To the point of a cross and personal loss. And personal preference on the back shelf. Folks, the cross was not convenient. It was very inconvenient. And that's where Jesus was. He was at that place of sold out to the point of, I will inconvenience myself to obey the word of my Father. Hallelujah. And when he was hungry and needed something to give him a little strength for the mission, the fig tree let him down. The fig tree did not further him on his walk with God and on his mission. Now, I'm going to do a little old-fashioned pastoring right now because I am a pastor and I have approached the half a century mark. So I'm going to do some good old-fashioned pastoring right now. There are some things and there are some people who are never going to work with you as you try to move into the will of God. They're never going to encourage you to move into the will of God. They're never going to strengthen you as you try to pursue the will of God. As a matter of fact, there are some people who will work against you and try to weaken you and discourage you from pursuing the will of God, especially to the point of sacrifice, especially to the point of where it costs you something. Can I get an amen? Yeah, I can get an oh me as well. I mean, this is just good old-fashioned pastoring right now, old-fashioned pastoring, especially when, when your walk is, is about self-denial, inconveniencing yourself for the Word. They'll say, oh, you don't have to do that. I wouldn't encourage you to do that. You don't want to go that extreme. And they can be friends and family, and they're fine with you just going to church, but their attitude is, don't let church get in the way of you having a good time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, oh Peter was, was that fruitless fig tree when he was saying, you don't have to go do that, Jesus. He said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. He could have cursed old Peter, and Peter could have dried up right there as well. You know what I mean? It, it, this fig tree did not push him, did not propel him, did not encourage him. It was working against him. And there are some people like that. They are just fig trees with no figs, and, and they're not for you being fruitful. They want you to be as fruitless as they are. Now listen, I know Jesus bore the cross for us. I know He carried it all. He paid the price. The work is finished. But sometimes we forget that Jesus said, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now that doesn't sound like fun, but sometimes following the will of God is right, but not necessarily what your flesh wants. And you've got to say no to the flesh and yes to the cross. In the modern church, we have people who call themselves Christ followers. But they are self-indulgent 
and they don't carry crosses. And those folks are evangelistic. They are recruiting others. They say, just love Jesus and don't get caught up in the rules. When Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll do what I say. And even when it hurts, and even when it goes against your flesh, you're going to do what I say. I'm looking at some people right now that have made up their mind. If it costs me something, I'm still going to follow Jesus. Because he's been better to me than I've been to myself. I don't deserve his presence. I don't deserve his forgiveness. I don't deserve anything he's done for me. But I'm going to follow him to the day I die. Give him some praise right now. Can you do it? Jesus, you know, he modeled it for us. He's about to pray that prayer. If it's possible, Father, let this cup pass from me. He didn't want to do it. He said, the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. I'm going to tell you, if the Father requires things of us that are difficult, we need to take our lead from Jesus Christ and say, nevertheless, not my will. But thine be done. Because on the other side, folks, it's going to pay off. You understand? It's going to pay off. It really is. You know what Jesus did to that old flashy but fruitless fig tree? He walked away from it. He cursed it and walked away. He didn't try to fix it. He didn't have time for that. He, he didn't, you know, dig around it fertilize it, try, try to fix it. His mission could not wait. And I'm going to tell you, there's some people that get into our lives and they're working against us. And you know what? You can't always fix them. And sometimes you just got to walk away. Because I'd rather go to heaven with fewer friends than go to hell with all my friends. Amen. That's good preaching right there. Good old-fashioned pastoring. Now, check, check this out. Then Jesus went into Jerusalem, and he went into the temple, and he began to drive out the money changers. He said, my house is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. You've turned it into a den of thieves. He judged that house. Peter would later write about it. Maybe this is where he got it. Judgment begins at the house of God. Jesus walked in as a judge and said, you got it all wrong. And he started just kicking people out. He's got, here's the deal, he's got pressure on. This is the last week of his life. He's got pressure on him. And he's kicking people out of the temple. The next day, Wednesday morning, he and his disciples head back into Jerusalem. On their way, they passed the fig tree. They saw it was dead. Now, Matthew's version of the story where he cursed the fig tree says it died immediately. But they had cursed that tree. He had cursed that tree and then immediately went into Jerusalem. When he came back Tuesday night, that it was dark. They didn't see that tree. So Wednesday morning, they see the fig tree is dead. And, and Peter points out the fact that it's dead. And that's when Jesus begins to teach them and talk to them about prayer of all things. 
Jesus answered and said to them. So they're like, wow, the tree's dead. What? That tree you cursed, that fruitless tree is dead. Wow. You, you spoke words that killed a tree. Think about that. I got a tree in my backyard that's been dying for years. Years. But it's still alive. Jesus looks at a tree and with words says, No man eat from you ever again. And immediately the tree is killed by the words that Jesus spoke. This is a negative miracle. The only one we have recorded in Jesus' ministry. He killed something. He killed a fig tree. Me, Me and Mr. Wayne were talking earlier. It's not like he killed all fig trees. He liked figs. He wanted some fig preserves, but he killed that one. He said, you'll never produce again. And the thing died, and the disciples see it. And Jesus now, now that he has their attention, he says, listen to me, boys. He said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly, I mean, that's, a, that, that's for emphasis. I'm telling you something that you can bank on. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You think words Killing a tree is something. I'm telling you, words can move a mountain is what he's saying. Now, the day after tomorrow, he's going to die. This is Wednesday. He'll be dead by Friday evening. And he's going to leave the work that he started in the hands of these 12 men, minus one Judas, in the hands of these 11. And he's trying to communicate something to them that is profound. You see, they had relied. Are you with me? Are you with me? You with me? It's it's Memorial Day weekend. I got to make sure you're with me. That's why I got it cranked down really, really cold in here. Keep you awake. Make you worship a little bit. It's Memorial Day weekend. So listen to this. They had relied on Jesus for everything, those 12. He fed the multitudes. He healed the sick. He calmed the storm. I know he had empowered them to do a few things, but they were leaning hard on him in the day and day out uh, for three and a half years. He calmed the storm. He provided for their needs. He paid their taxes. He walked on water. He raised the dead. Now, as good Jewish boys, they were raised to pray. They had a regiment of prayer. But for three years, they didn't really have to pray because God in flesh was walking around with them. Jesus had moved mountains for them, so to speak. But Jesus was just about to leave. The next night at the Last Supper, Jesus would tell them, John 16, 7, it's to your advantage that I go away. If if I go away, I'll send the Comforter. He will come to you. Now, these 12 men minus Judas would, would have to become the catalyst to launch his church. And not only would, would they 
be the ones that would launch that church, but they would preach the words that others would buy into and become part of the church. They would train others, water baptize, spirit-filled believers, and, and all those folks would face opposition, a.k.a. mountains. Now that reaches all the way down to us today. We're like precious faith. We are of the same faith that was once delivered to the saints. We are of that church, of that ilk. And you know what? Jesus Christ in flesh is not here today. He's not. It would be wonderful, right? It would be wonderful, but he's not. In other words, I can't have a need and I go to, here he is in the flesh, uh, Come here, Drew. Today, right now, you're Jesus. Come up here. So walk with me. So I'm walking in my day, and I'm like, uh, I got a problem. I got an obstacle in my way. I've got a mountain that needs to be moved. And I say, oh, Jesus, listen, I'm so glad you're here. We have a problem. Uh, I need you to uh, uh, rustle up a few vittles for us. You know, like, I'm kind of hungry. And I ain't got no money. So I need some money or I need some food. And so Jesus is like, no problem. What do you have? What do you have? Well, I got, I've got some mints right here. Let me see those mints. He takes those mints and voila, we got filet mignon. Thank you so much, Jesus. I appreciate that. Woo, that was awesome. You're great. I have a money need. Let's walk over here. I have a money need. Oh, my goodness, the rent is due and I don't have enough money. Jesus, oh, Lord, have mercy. Listen, I need some money. Uh I'm not sure what to do. And so he gives me some instructions. I follow those. Boom, needs met. Uh, my taxes are due. Holy cow. April 15th done rolled around. Uh, I need some tax money. Go fishing, Donovan. Go fishing. Pull in a fish. Look in his mouth. Well, looky there. There's some tax money right there. And so Jesus is just with me right here, just meeting all my needs. Okay, you can go be seated. Let's give Drew a hand right now. I don't have Jesus. I don't have Jesus with me like that. It would be great. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't you love that in the flesh? Like, uh, excuse me, Jesus, right? Don't you wish you really could call 911 and Jesus answer the phone? And you're like, Jesus, we have a problem. Oh, my. Don't worry. Fear not, son. Here's the That kind of. We don't have that. They were about to lose that. Jesus is trying to get something across to them, he's trying to get them to understand, listen, I'm not going to be with you always, but I'm sending the comforter with you. You're going to take my name on in baptism. You're going to be filled with my spirit, and you're going to walk in the same power and authority that I walked in. And when mountains come against you, I'm going to tell you something. You, my friends, you, my believers, you, my church, you, if you'll have faith in God, you can speak to the mountain, and it will move the same way I spoke to the mountains, and they move. We become so passive in our Christianity and our walk with God. We are waiting on mountains to move when those mountains are waiting on you to get some faith about you and to begin to oppose those mountains and speak to those mountains and command them to move. Now, here's the deal. When you were born again, you didn't sign up for a Chuck E. Cheese party. Thank God, right? Oh, but I can't wait to take Lyra Jane to Chuck E. Cheese. 
my first grandbaby, my granddaughter. We're going to go to Chuck E. Cheese on a regular basis. And if I remember right, they have a pretty good sub. But it's been a while. They may not even have subs anymore. There might, is there a Chuck E. Cheese? Okay, there is a Chuck E. Cheese. Right, good, good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take Lyra Jane there. We're gonna have some fun. Oh, I'm gonna get all those tickets from the dinosaur coin thing, and, and get all those toys and stuff. Like we're gonna have so much fun. But when you sign up for church, it's not like Chuck E. Cheese. There, this is a, this is a fight. This is a battle. Now listen, God is good and God is on our side and there's good stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. You are in a war. As a follower of Christ, you're going to face opposition and mountains. But when you face a mountain, listen, don't expect it to move all by itself. You're going to have to speak to it. You're going to have to pray against it. You're going to have to apply pressure against it. I'm telling you, you can spend your whole life waiting on the mountain to move, but the mountain is waiting on you. One of the problems that we have is that we will face our mountains instead of with faith, with fear. And fear does not move the mountain. That's why Jesus said, have faith in God. One translation says, have the faith of God. In other words, the same faith that I have operated in, I am commanding you, I am authorizing you to operate in that same faith. And it is that faith that moved the mountains. Jesus was saying it was the faith that moved the mountains. And the same faith that I've operated in, you can operate in and move mountains just like I did it. That's why he would say, the works that I do, you will do. And greater works than these because I go to my Father. We have such a passive church that is waiting on God to do so much. And we have a very active God who is waiting on a passive church to do so much for God. We have a God that is saying, I've given you my name. I've given you my blood. I've given you my word. I've empowered you with my Holy Spirit. Now, what are you going to do about the problem? And the thing is, we've got to get over our fears. And we've got to begin to look at our mountains Listen, mountains of sickness and addiction and depression and debt and and temper control problems and confusion. We need to take some of those mountains and get the fear out of the way and get some faith in it. Some of the faith that we, some of the fears that we deal with arise because we struggle with our past and we're afraid. We we have fear. Uh, We have fear of our past like My past is holding me back. My past has the upper hand on my future. My my past is is a ball and chain that I, I just can't seem to get free of. We have fears of our past. We have fears, condemnation. I can't be forgiven for what I did. You don't know, Pastor. Listen, I don't want to know, but I know somebody who does know, and he's already made a way. He's already covered it in his blood. I don't have to know your past. I know Jesus. You don't know my past either. Thank God. But I know Jesus, and you know Jesus. If he covered me, he'll cover you just the same. And so we get bound up with our our past like, I'm afraid of my past. I'm afraid of failure. 
Lord, I, I, I come from a, a background of failure. I've had a lot of failures in my life. And I'm afraid of letting go and what will really happen if I sell out. And I guess that's the bottom line today. If you want mountains to move, you've got to get in the same vein that Jesus was in. Jesus was in that crunch is on. I'm sold out. I'm not holding back. If it hurts me, if it breaks my flesh down, if my soul is like, I don't want to do this. My flesh is like, I don't want to do this. But the Word says, do it. I am going to submit to that Word. I'm in that sold out mode. I'm putting a cross on and I'm following Jesus. I'm denying self. When you get in that kind of mode, that's when you speak to the mountain. It's not Chuck E. Cheese speak to the mountain and give me a mansion and give me a husband and, and, and give me a car and get, give me this and that and the other. It's, it's, I'm in the mode of Lord Jesus, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. If it costs me, I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll wear what you want me to wear. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll get away from who you want me to get away from. You get that kind of attitude. There's faith that comes from that. And there ain't no mountain that can stand in your way. Come on, give him some praise right now. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. We got too many players in church and not enough prayers in church. Too many people that are just playing with it and just trying to be like that fig tree, looking all good, going to church, but there ain't no fruit. We need some people that are bearing fruit, getting in the Word, walking in the Word, walking a consecrated life to speak to the mountains so the mountains will move. Because you know what? The mountain's waiting on you. The mountain's waiting on you. I tell our team every Sunday morning, I say, you know what, this service, I, I did it like a couple times. It felt so good. Now I do it every Sunday morning. You'll see me sometimes by 928. The guys will come around me and pray up here. And I tell them, I say, guys, this service is not on me. It's on you. I mean, I'm going to preach. I'm going to do my part. But really, it's on you. You want to move a God? Get to moving, right? You, you want God to move? He inhabits the praises of his covenant people. Give him some praise. You, you get out there. This is on you. It's not on me. That makes me feel good. You know what I mean? Like, it's not all on me. Thank you, Jesus. Whew, hallelujah. It's on you. I'll tell you something else. Like, your mountain moving, it's on you. It's on you, baby. It is on you. You have got to get to that place where you take it so serious. Man, you got to pray those prayers of consecration. Jesus prayed all the time. He prayed all the time. And you think he was just out there just, just praying silly prayers like, uh, Oh, Father, you know, I want a gold chariot, a Roman golden chariot. And I sure would like one of those helmets with the big red pompadours on top. Oh, Father, that would be so awesome. And just, you know, like silliness like that. No, Jesus was praying those prayers like, Father, whatever you want me to do, not my will, but your will be done. 
that your name may be glorified in all of the earth, God. Whatever you want me to do, I've come to do, as it's written in the volume of this book, to do your will, oh God. Every jot and every tittle, I have come to fulfill every word. Lord, I want to walk in that word. I want to do, and and listen, then when the mountain rose up, he stood up and said, I command you to go. He spoke to the blind. I speak healing over you. He, He commanded sickness and disease and all that stuff that they had prayed. Those were mountains that moved. And Jesus was saying, you're going to be a church. You're going to lead a church. You're going to have to know how to do it, boys. You've got to be just as dedicated. Don't be like that fig tree. You be like I was. Father, not my will. So now you got 12 apostles praying. And they're saying, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. We want to fulfill every word, every jot, every tittle. And they got understanding. And like even before the church was born, they're like, hey, one of us is missing. Judas committed suicide. It's written in the word that another will take his place. We have to get somebody. How are we going to do this? And they got a system together. And they got Matthias in place. Now we can move on. And they begin to pray, Father, we're waiting. You told us to wait for 10 days. You told us to wait just in the city of Jerusalem. We've been waiting 10 days. Lord what's going to happen now Father we're just asking you for your help we're submitted to your word God we're ready to go I'm really wanting to get back out to Bethany but God you told me to wait in Jerusalem it's been 10 days and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and the spirit of God dropped in and filled them all with the Holy Ghost and they spoke with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance what happened a mountain moved they were walking in that that submission to the Father They took it so seriously. Stand with me right now. And you see it on and on. We just went through the entire book of Acts. Went on and on. Mountains would come up. There there were hypocrites. There were silliness going on. Ananias and Sapphira lied. Bam. Bam. And it's talking about a negative miracle, right? Do you all know the story of Ananias and Sapphira? They were wonderful, wonderful believers in the church. Flashy, man. Leaves everywhere. No fruit. Like the fig tree. Bam. Cursed. Gone. Peter said, why did you do this? Why did you do this? Yeah, there were some hypocrites. But after Ananias and Sapphira, then great fear came on the whole church. And they grew and multiplied. They were excised. The body flourished. I'm just telling you, man, God is wanting to take us to some places. And I just feel like the bottom line on this whole thing I felt this whole week has been there's some people in here, you want your mountains to move. If you want your mountains to move, draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. Get yourself in submission to his authority. Bow the knee, repent. Father, forgive me for doing my own thing. And get up off your knees and begin to get aggressive towards those mountains. The Lord made me some promises, and that mountain is standing in my way. But God's word is true. And mountain, you coming down. If it's finances... I challenge you, begin to tithe and give the offering. Bow the knee to that aspect of the word. I submit to you, Father, in that area. Forgive me for my past failings. 
but I submit to it. And that financial miracle I need, I speak to that mountain standing between me and that. In the name of Jesus, be gone. Help me, Lord Jesus. Man, if it's healing in your body, check yourself. Lord, where am I missing it? I'm asking you, Lord. I want to submit in every area of my life and then begin to speak to that sickness in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm not talking about trite stuff, not Chuck E. Cheese stuff. I mean, getting into an area of submission and then rising up in a powerful authority. That's what church is supposed to be like. We've dumbed it down, folks. We've done ourselves an injustice. This is supposed to be a powerhouse. Stuff happens. Where Anthony's niece, was it your niece? Cousin's granddaughter healed this, earlier this week, healed with a, a, a vicious tumor in her body. And what's crazy is the 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 mother and grandma they there was they had a they had an idea we we they spoke against that tumor that it would turn black and begin to rot and dry up. They did surgery on this precious little girl, opened her up. The doctor came out apologetic and said, "I I'm so sorry. I I don't know how to say this. I don't know what happened, but the tumor wrapped around her aorta." has turned black and is rotting and dying and falling apart. We don't have an explanation, and we apologize. I don't think we had to do the surgery. They're trying to explain, and the family's like, praise the Lord. God answered. A mountain was moved because a family got aggressive. What mountains are you facing today? Let me ask you, what mountains are you facing, sir? What mountains are you facing, ma'am? I'm telling you, the Lord has the power, and he's put it in his church, and he's put it in you. That mountain can move if God could kill a tree with just words. He can move a mountain with just words, and your situation can change in a moment if you'll speak to the mountain. Resist that mountain. Be gone and cast into the sea. Jesus said, I tell you, most assuredly, certainly, you can bank on it. This is a sure thing. This is a covenant word to you. If you have the faith of God, say to that mountain, pray against that mountain, and it will move and be cast into the sea. What addiction are you facing? What battle are you facing? And you're like, I don't think that'll ever move. I can never get over that. I don't know if I can ever get I'm telling you that mountain can move. And that mountain is waiting on you. Let's bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much for the challenge of your Holy Spirit. I feel your presence right now. Just settle on this congregation. This is not a message of get right or get left you better turn around. This is a message of hope that says, if you'll just get in alignment with me, if you'll just line up with me, oh, I'm going to fill you with so much power. There ain't no mountain that can stand in your way. You'll come walking out of this valley. You'll come walking out of this trial. 
you'll come walking through this fire with the victory. I'm going to give you the victory. That mountain will do whatever you tell it to do. If you'll just line yourself up with me. This is a message of hope and encouragement. That mountain is waiting on you.